Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fusion Underground. What is this? Our third one now, right? Holy cow, it's happening. This is our third episode. I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined as always with my co-host Jason Moret. What's new with you? Oh, tired, sore, but uh, another day, another dollar, and moving on. Yeah. What did you think about the music? You know, I'm I'm digging it. Actually, it took me a little while. I was kind of grooving in my chair over here going, all right, let's, uh, uh, yeah. Almost makes us sound legit. I think we might Almost. be sending the wrong message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost. Almost legit. I, I, I hope we never actually ever get to be legit. No. I think that would um, probably need, be, be bad. I think we need a, a not snurdly and a, uh, I'll have a copper microphone so I don't, you know, and we did. I, I didn't get anybody saying they wanted to be a snurdly. Oh, well, we'll have to send that message back, back out again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are, episode three of the Fusion Underground. For those of you who are just joining us, hopefully that's a few of you. Um, here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we are trying to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission as we know it anyway, is to try to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. You can actually find all of our content via our website at fusionunderground.net. We do have a YouTube channel. We are on BitChute. Um, we, you can actually find all of our other podcast feeds off of Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Public Radio. We're now on Stitcher. So if you do a, a search for Fusion Underground on Stitcher, you should find us. But all of those links are on our website. We also have a, uh, have a Facebook page. If you look for AZ Fusion Underground, you'll be able to find us on Facebook. We're posting everything out there as well. Um, and you can catch us on Twitter. Um, I did change the Twitter handle. I think I told you about it, right? Yeah, that you I, told me about that, actually. That I changed the, the Twitter handle? So yeah. the, the Twitter handle, for those, uh, for those who were curious, was like Fusion Under. Uh, and that was just kind of weird. So I actually went out there and I was playing around with the, the Twitter handle. And I changed it to the FU Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Thinking um, of sending the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, it's just the initials, man. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. No other reason for that at all. Exactly. No other reason whatsoever. Um, so we got quite a bit of stuff on the on the show today. We do have uh, our topic 
last, so last week we talked about values and principles. We had kind of a long, a lengthy conversation about that. Um, this week we're going to be talking about, um, are people inherently good or are they inherently bad? Um, now I, this is, um, this is kind of an interesting topic. I, uh, there are a lot, there are several people who gave me comments about this on Facebook already. I got a couple of emails on it as well. We'll kind of read through that. I'll bring you up to speed on that. I admit that I, uh, when I, when I named the topic, I was kind of, I was like, do I use good? Do I use bad? And then I thought, I'm just going to use it for the time being. We'll explore the, the, we'll explore the topic. Um, the challenge with anything like this, especially with topics like this and the topics we've been, we've been tackling so far. Um, it's really hard to articulate a lot of content in a very short amount of time. I mean, even if we speak for three hours, right. uh, that's still not enough time to try to articulate everything that we think uh, about these kinds of topics into that amount of space or that amount of time for podcasts. So, um, eh, and this is also, uh, in my opinion, this, this kind of a, a medium is a way to talk about these topics and, um, and think them through. Uh, I'm not saying that I have all of the answers. I know you're not saying you have all the answers, but uh, it's just kind of a way to kind of work through all of that thought process and try to figure out what, you know, what is it that we actually do think about it and how is that right. evolving? Well, and how incredibly bold are we already? I mean, the, the question of is mankind inherently good or evil or good or bad um, is something psychologists and everybody have tried to answer for a long time, but here on Fusion Underground, we're going to tackle it in an hour. Ha! <laughs> Give or take. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. Just to let everybody know, we do not edit anything out. So we hit the record button, and what we record is what you get. This and, is what uh, you get. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, that's kind of, you know, there are a lot of other podcasts that, that go on and they, they filter things down, they edit, they edit stuff out, they, they edit things out of the, of the video or of the, you know, the audio cast or whatever. Um, when, when we talked about this, I said, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing that. I want to record and I want to release it just the way it is, the way it comes yeah. out. Zero time editing. I think that was actually a requirement for both of us. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to spend more time working on it, and then it's going to become work, and then it's not fun, and you lose the conversation. Yeah. Um, so full disclaimer, uh, we try to keep this as um, clean as possible, but occasionally when we get worked up, there could be some <clears throat> language unintentionally <clears throat> dropped out there. So apologize yeah, for that ahead of time. There you go. We do try to, we do try to curb that um, so that we, we don't, but, uh, you know, it does happen. And, and uh, you know. I'm not saying this is a child, uh, a children's t uh, podcast at all, by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, before we get into our topic, there's a there's a couple of other things that uh, um, that I want to that I want to um, share with you and with all of the listeners slash viewers. We have this kind of habit of, I guess, cleansing the palate, so to speak. That's that's fair. Like like ginger, like <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, like like ginger, <laughs> like like ginger at a sushi bar. So uh, I have to show you this because um, I, I was I don't know what to think about this. I don't know why anybody would do this. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> going to turn the sound off on my screen because I don't know 
um, what is happening. So I'm gonna, let me pause the share for just a second while I get all this set up. I know, Ooh. see, this is why we need a Snurdly. We need a Snurdly so um, they can do all of this, get all of this set up for us. Uh, but check this, check this out. Okay, so let me resume the share. Hopefully you can see that. Huh. Yeah, right? Well, um, no, that's not fair. It started out with a Mass Effect backdrop that looked pretty, pretty <laughs> BA, actually. Like Band of Brothers Mass Effect. That's yeah, what that is. And, yeah, and now we're into, oh, God. Yeah. The biggest lips in the world. Oh, my gosh. This poor woman. Um, for anybody not seeing video of this, this lady looks like she got stung in the lips by a swarm of wasps. Yeah, many wasps. Her lips yeah. are gigantic. I, I, I mean, did she go to her doctor and say, please, I want you to make my lips look like a butthole? Uh, it, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seriously looks like, <laughs> like a pig turned around. Like, I the only thing missing is the big curly Q tail out of her forehead. How do you even, I don't even know how anything. you even eat, like drink, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know how you do anything. I, I mean, even sleeping at that point. I'm surprised she's able to breathe. The top lip on her on her there looks like it's closing her nose off. Yeah, I I, I have no idea what to even. Uh, the funny you, part is that she's actually prancing around like she thinks she looks sexy. You, you yeah, know, oh. she, it's like <laughs> and like kissing the kissing yeah. at the no, uh, at don't the touch camera. them. They're gonna break. Yeah, they're it gonna burst. Like, <laughs> they're like like it's gonna be a zit. You're gonna accidentally touch. It's gonna <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> That's strange. That's, oh, I, don't know why, I don't know why people do that. I have no uh, idea why people do that. I don't that. know. I still don't understand why people do selfies with the duck lips thing because that even that weirds me out. But I guess I'm old and out of touch. But that's like a thing now. Oh, I have this I have this other this other video that I wanted to that I, I say to old you. and out of touch and that sparks a <laughs> <from laughs> memory for you. Thanks. <laughs> no, this one I thought was actually pretty funny. Uh let me let me bring this one up so you can see it. Um You've gone and played darts at a at a bar, haven't you? I have a dartboard hanging right out here, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then, then you know, you might uh, appreciate this. Have you done stupid stuff with your dartboard? Like, I don't know, like this guy has his hand up against the dartboard and you're I was gonna sort of say, daring your friends to throw darts at it? waiting for somebody to throw darts at it. I, I, I envision a dart in the forehead. Oh, no. <laughs> well i was right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were right you dummy <laughs> i love the not so bright look on his face too like he's like hey what happened right okay. he has no idea that it even occurred yeah well I, let's be I, honest i have never been in that kind of a situation i've never placed myself in that like where i thought let's just throw darts at my body well, here's the problem. You haven't been around enough dumb friends and then said the phrase, here, hold my beer. No, you're correct. I have not. Because <laughs> that is how those things happen. Now, um, you know, here's, a, here's an interesting one. You have little children at home. Y yes. Uh, and I take it you go to the store from time to time and you buy them little toys, right? Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, this, this lady did this. She went to Kmart. As a matter of fact, I know Kmart's pretty much gone. I was going to say, there's business. there's a Kmart in right? existence still. I don't remember where this uh, where this story was from, but uh, she went to this Kmart, 
and um, she was buying some various toys for her child's birthday party. And one of the little, one of the toys that she got wasn't really a toy per se, but it was a journal. It was a little diary uh, from, you know, with frozen two themed. Okay. Little booklet as Elsa on the front of it, whatever. Um, But she didn't actually open this diary um, until the party. And so she gave this journal to the little, to her child and the child was all excited. You know, it's Elsa. She's got her little diary. And um, well, what she found was that the inside of the diary was a bunch of porn. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the inside pages. Now the inside of the, the pages were actually cut from some kind of a magazine or something along those lines. And then were. um, you know, the, the journal were glued. Yeah, they were, but it went through like publication. It was like published like this. Like it went through the, the manufacturing process and had the, all of these various pages um, with various sexual positions, had sex toys oh my God. Um, and everything like that, that were, uh, you know, in, just part of, as part of the actual journal itself. I, um, I, when you were telling me this, I'm envisioning just somebody going through and actually, you know, um, pulling this thing off a shelf and then pasting all the, the nasty stuff in there and putting it back on the shelf and something like that. I didn't think it was actually manufactured and distributed that way. Yeah. Kind of crazy, right? So be careful what you, be careful what you buy, buy it yeah, off of no. Amazon instead. I mean, she did get it at Kmart. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it is like, Kmart. Kmart, Walmart, Target. I mean, it's, that's, that's, uh, you, you, I'm sorry. I'm kind of dumbfounded almost. There's got to be quality controls out there. Somebody fell asleep on the freaking line checking stuff out. Um, That's just disturbing. Yeah. Very, very disturbing. So, you know, I forgot to tell you, um, (laughs) you, you know, you're always making fun of me of all of my little, technical gadgets and everything Uh Um, and last week I was having some problems with my Wi-Fi and (sighs) yes yes you were (laughs) (laughs) this is so dumb I was having some problems with my Wi-Fi I couldn't actually connect to my modem I was having problems with it I was like I don't know what's going on so I rebooted my modem a couple of times and then I changed so I have two two channels I have a five gigahertz channel and a 2.4 right me channel. too mm-hmm. um so the 2.4 channel i couldn't connect to it that was the one i was having the most the difficulty with and so i decided in my infinite wisdom that i would go ahead and just you know and i was thinking well did somebody get onto my wi-fi channel somehow it did have a really easy password to break mm-hmm. so i thought well let me just let me reboot it. Let me get on there if I can. I finally got on and I thought, let me change the password to something that's complicated. Somebody that's not going to be able to guess or crack or anything like that because I have a password generator, et cetera, et cetera. So I changed the password. And then I couldn't turn on my lights using Alexa and I couldn't <laughs> open my door. Oh, and there she goes. Now she's in the back. I said her name. You See, said Alexa. I said the <laughs> damn name and she started talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. So then I thought like the front door, the deadbolt, the batteries were dead and I changed the batteries because it wouldn't work anymore. And I thought, well, I normally, and then I realized, Oh, 
it's because it's on that 2.4 channel. And so I had to completely redo all of the uh, stupid uh -huh. smart devices that were in my house. And that was like several hours. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you, you don't do this stuff every day. So I couldn't remember. I'm like, I don't remember how the hell I set all this stuff up. So it was like searching the internet and trying to find the directions and, and trying to, oh yeah, I had an app for that. And I didn't realize that I had an app and then I'm having to. <laughs> stupid. So we stupid. Were, we were watching, my wife and I were watching TV the other day and it was something, this lady comes, it was a commercial, comes home, says, you know, uh, I think it was Alexa or Osiris or whatever the heck some of these things are called anymore. Uh -huh. You know, turn on the, or please ask the fridge to turn on the oven to whatever right, right. and tell the dishwasher to start and make the kids lunch or whatever it is. You know, you're just talking out loud to all your, your kitchen and telling it to go to work. And I said, you know, our internet service up here in Flagstaff goes down all the time. If that were to happen, my luck, nothing would be able to turn on and all the windows and doors would come open and nobody would be able to do anything because the, the one internet provider that's up here, you know, had a problem. I'm like, this is why I just, I no, I use a key. I don't do the smart keys for my door. I don't have an Alexa or a Cortana or a, anyone else in my house besides my family. Yeah, it's probably good that you don't. <laughs> I know, and you keep asking me why I'm not connected more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, anyway, there's this la one last story that I wanted to share with you, um, and I, maybe we maybe we sort of have a, a you know a little maybe two topics here, because you know there's a lot of we and we talked a little bit about this earlier this week. Um, just a few days ago, but, um, I, I have to, you know, yes, we'll, we'll get into the whole, are people inherently good or inherently bad in just a, in just a few minutes here. But, um, yeah, I kind of have to get this off my chest. I'm getting really tired of, and, and this is part of why we started this, why we started this podcast, but I'm really tired of the, the sheer stupidity um, around all of this COVID-19 crap. Um, <laughs> you're looking at me like, oh, I'm, we're going to wade into this. I'm waiting on bated breath, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I love Twitter. I, I love, I love going out on Twitter. It's just a, it's, it's a shithole really, to be quite honest. Twitter is just a terrible, terrible website. Um, but it cracks me up. There's just so much fun stuff that is going on on Twitter all the time. And Pat Sajak, you know who Pat Sajak is, right? Sure. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune guy. I didn't yeah. realize that Wheel of Fortune, they, they record in within like, they record all of the episodes for the whole year in like one month. I'm sure other TV shows do that too, or other game shows. I just didn't realize. I had no insight into how these shows are made. But anyway, um, Pat Sajak, I actually follow him on, on Twitter, and he tweeted out uh, this, this thing. He said, when a disc jockey or a talk show host or a journalist who is being paid to work from his or her home tells people who can't work, pay bills, or pay their rent or mortgage to stay home and be careful because we're all in this together, it's okay, to, it's okay to question the premise. So Pat Sajak tweeted that out earlier this week. Um, 
I don't find anything wrong with that. I think that's totally uh, a legit thing to, to, to say. It's, I think it's a total legit comment to, to ask. And um, people just went off on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They completely exploded on Pat Sajak. How dare you? You know, you, do you hate grandmothers? Do you hate old people? <laughs> you want everybody to die? I, I mean, seriously, this is, this is how people replied, responded to Pat Sajak. And the way Pat Sajak posed that comment, he's absolutely right. You know, you have all of these, uh, you know, sports personalities, actresses, actors, you know, they're sitting in their, their mansions, um, you know, eating bonbons and, and anything else. And they're saying, we're all in this together. Um, you know, hang in there, keep everything locked down. So grandma doesn't die. And you have a vast majority of the country that says, screw you, my business is failing. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my house. I can't put food on the table for my kids. I'm not going to have the medical insurance to cover if somebody does get sick because I'm going to lose everything. Screw you. I need to get back to work. And I get that there's no best scenario for anything like this, but attacking Pat Sajak for saying something that I think is completely and totally normal is not helping the conversation at all. No, it's not helping the conversation, but, but honestly, it's helping the cause, right? It's never about a conversation. It's never about a legitimate argument. It's never about actually thinking about what's going on and having a, a uh, intellectual debate about any of it. It's, it's about furthering the cause. It's, it's about reiterating the talking point. And I'm sorry, stay home, stay safe is a frigging line. It's not real. And the people who are out there who are actually seeing what COVID's doing and what, what's really happening know that for a fact. Right. Staying home is not going to keep you from being exposed to this. Period. Me, you, my kids, my wife, your family, all of us, we're going to get exposed to this. So understand that. There's no way around it. And we're you staying home, me staying home, everybody in the world staying home for another six months is not going to change that. It may right. it may extend the amount of time it takes for the entire world to become exposed and therefore slow that down, but it's not going to cut it off. It's just going to take what might have normally happened in about four to five months tops and stretch that out to about a year or more, probably a good 18 months at this point. Well, and who knows? And it could have been, it could have been awful. It could have been whatever. We don't know. We had, um, we had the guy who came up with all of the models, um, or some of the models anyway, that um, related to all that was talking about and predicting all of the uh, deaths. Um, this is a, uh, a scientist at Johns, Johns Hopkins University. Uh, he is the guy who created the, essentially the algorithms or whatever to predict uh, coronavirus deaths and the model originally predicted that were there were going to be 3,000 daily coronavirus deaths and he came out just about a week and a half ago and he said wait 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 you know yeah I created that model 
but the model was never intended to be used. He said it was never intended to be an actual forecast because he wasn't done with the model. Right. So when you're doing these kinds of things, it's an iterative approach. You create something and then you look at it and you have to verify it or validate it and then you tweak it a little bit more. And somebody there just decided, hey, let's just run with this. And they ran with it and, and panic ensued. Yeah, well, and, and it was probably panic reaction to begin with anyway. 3,000 deaths a day? Are you crazy? Everyone needs to know about this. Boom. And it's out. And right. it's and so, yeah, then what we're, what we're dealing with right now is um, what psychologists call panic response. Right. And that's exactly what we're dealing with. Um, but the fact of the matter is for, so getting back to where you started, for Pat Sajak to say it's fair, if not expected or should be questioned for someone um, in a position where they actually are paid to work at home and yeah. can get paid and can sit there behind a computer, much like what you and I are doing right now, um, and have just a normal conversation and we're fine. We don't have anything else going on. We don't have to worry about um, um, getting that income in for you or I in that position to then turn around and say, hey, I'm with you guys. We're all in this together. Right. Just stay on your couch and order more pizza. It's right. going to be okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing wrong with somebody out there looking at me and going, the hell is wrong with you? You're, you're not with me. Right. You're not here in my house. You're not understanding what I've got piling up. You don't understand me. There's nothing wrong with somebody saying that to me. So what's wrong with me saying that to someone else out there doing the exact same thing? And some of these, uh, the newscasters from uh, the news channels who are actually sitting at home um, doing their jobs. Um, what's wrong with me saying, wait a minute, don't tell me we're all in this together. Right. You have no idea. Right. Now, here's a, there, you know, there are several reports now that are coming out where doctors are saying this is ridiculous. We need to, um, this isn't right, that the path we're, we're going down. Now, whether or, not, whether or not we should stay locked up in quarantine is neither here nor there. The problem that a lot of doctors are now calling out is the effect that that's having in other areas. Here's a, a news article from CBN News. Um, during a media call, several doctors spoke of horrible medical results for people because of excessive panic over the coronavirus. They, being the doctors, told of harm done to ill or injured people because the medical world has been largely cut off to them while, most of all, while most, almost all resources have been redirected to deal exclusively with, exclusively with COVID-19. Dr. Simone Gold is an emergency room physician documenting these harms. As she's contacted fellow medical professionals across this country and helped form this new group called A Doctor A Day, she says, people are not getting their health care. We're so worried about the fact that patients believe that they're going to get sick if they show up for medical tests, but they're actually hurting themselves. They're avoiding hospitals even during emergencies. Uh, so people aren't going to the doc, going to the hospital, seeking the medical treatment they have. Uh, other other articles came out earlier this week and late last week saying that, you know, there are, um, there are fewer cancer diagnoses, um, other surgeries that have been postponed that would have removed things like cancerous tumors and things from people. Um, hundreds of thousands of people are not getting the medical care they need. And that could potentially result um, in, in the tragic loss of life without, and that doesn't have, although it has something to do with COVID because it's all because of everything that's going on, they're not going to die necessarily because of COVID. They're going to die because they couldn't get treatments 
for like their cancer or anything else that they might be suffering from. I'm seeing that right up here right now. Um, there's, there are patients who are literally having heart attacks at home and EMS is being told, no, I do not want you to take me to the hospital because they, patients are afraid that they are going to catch uh, COVID-19 in the hospital and die. Um, I know, excuse me, people who are not seeking the aftercare they need once they are at the hospital and going to either um, rehab facilities, skilled nursing facilities, or even getting the home health care that they need once they're home because they're afraid of letting anybody either in their home or not being home out of just sure fear that they're going to catch COVID-19 and die. Even though that they are at the infinitesimal small chance of actually having a mortality rate because they have no other comorbidities to it. It's, it we've created such a pandemonium around the pandemic that we this is the this is what i was talking to you about before when i said that the fear is going to create more problems than this virus ever could yeah and here's another article that i have from uh this is actually from it's abc abc news up in the san francisco bay area there's a they reported um that medical health, or I should say, um, suicides have now surpassed the COVID deaths um, in one particular hospital. This is uh, at John Muir Medical Center in Walnut, in Walnut Creek. Doctors say they have seen more deaths by suicide during this quarantine period than deaths from the COVID-19 virus. The head of the trauma in the department believes mental health is suffering so much, it is time to end the shelter-in-place order. And this, the doctor, quote, uh, doctor saying here, quote, personally, I think it's time. I think originally this shelter-in-place order was put in place to flatten the curve and to make sure hospitals have the resources to take care of COVID patients. We have the current resources to do that, and our other community health is suffering, end quote. Um, this is just getting ridiculous now, um, and I think, I think many Americans are, are feeling that, and they're like, you know what? This is just ridiculous. As we learn more and more about this every day, yes, are there people that that are going to be at risk? Uh, yes, but I think many Americans are saying, you know what? I'd rather take my chances. Yeah. I'd rather just go on with my life and take my chances. Yep, and I think Americans uh, are entitled to make that decision and entitled to be empowered. Um, give them the knowledge that they need. What are the risks involved? and make a decision for themselves. And I think most Americans uh, are at the point now where they're going, look, this has gone way above and beyond what is normal or reasonable and prudent precautions. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm over it. I'm, I'm friggin' done. All right. Well, I'm over that too. Well, good. I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. And I'm glad, I'm Me glad you're I just had to get it curve. off my chest. I get it. Well, and, and <laughs> like I tried to tell you before, I, I've, I've kind of been at the forefront of dealing with this and seeing some of this stuff for months now. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think you were quite there yet. Um, I had a conversation with a very good buddy of mine who's actually seen, I think, some possible repercussions for some of this that other people have been dealing with for a long, long time. Um, talking about people having to actually go to work instead of being able to work remote and then childcare still being an issue. Um, a lot of people have been dealing with that for a while. Um, so, I guess I'm I'm getting to a point where I'm kind of numb to it all. So apologies for not getting on a better soapbox than I am right now, but no, uh, I'm kind of over it. That's good. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much over it. I'm over the whole COVID thing already. I'm just, I'm just done. 
You know, I, I really yep. am done. Uh, are you wearing a mask when you go out in public? No. Yeah, me neither. I have a mask. I have a oh, mask okay. and I carry it with me. Um, and if I were to go to a place that says, sorry, <clears throat> you know, we would prefer if you wore a mask, fine. I'll respect the establishment and I'll put the mask on if that's the case. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, I just, I, I think I it's a, a little bit ridiculous. I have a handkerchief in my pocket. I always go. have. Um, that, that's an old habit my dad uh, instilled in me. I keep a handkerchief, so if I cut my finger, I've got something to cover it up. Or if i got to blow my nose, <laughs> I can do that. Or if I blow my nose and I cut my finger, I can rub some snot in there, too. Helps clotting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's come in handy at least once um, when i gone in the store, and I just I said, all right, you know what? I'll throw it on first. Just That was a while ago, though. I haven't worn a mask in a while. All right. So I think this kind of ties a little bit into uh, our topic. So um, let's let's jump into it, shall we? Okay. Are people are people good and bad, good or bad? Um, and like I alluded at the beginning of the show, it's really difficult to 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 talk about everything. I mean, you know, you've got hundreds of years worth of of humans studying good and evil, good and bad, etc. Um, we don't know, even, even psychologists don't fully understand all of this kind of stuff, but I think it's, I think it's interesting for even lay people to to take a stab at it and say, well, what does it mean? And what does it mean to me? Um, and if we don't have these kinds of conversations, I think that people are more prone to not really pay attention to what is good or is bad. And they may get complacent for when things bad happen or when people do bad things, people may get complacent um, and not hold either themselves or other people accountable. And I think that's important. Um, so that's why I wanted to talk about this. So we're not going to be able to cover everything. And I'm sure, I'm sure in the process, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll piss some people off and that's good. Yay! <laughs> I'm all for upsetting people because that means um, we're actually talking about something that matters because people usually don't get pissed off about stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. So I posted, you know, I posted this on our Facebook page and just asked people and said, Hey, what do you think? Are people inherently good or are they inherently bad? And I got some interesting responses. Uh, one person said, People are inherently selfish. Good word which is typically not seen as good. I wouldn't say it's outwardly bad either. What can benefit oneself can certainly also be good for others. So not entirely good nor bad. It's one of those gray areas of human pondering. Another individual said, I'm not so sure they're either inherently bad or good, but I do believe most people are inherently lazy. I thought that was an interesting take on that. <laughs> um, another person said, I think you can find good in everyone. Uh, another person said good and bad are meaningless terms. Everyone thinks they're good. Otherwise they wouldn't do what they do. The issue is that nobody agrees what good or bad is. And as a result, everybody thinks everyone else except them is bad. So what do you think about all this? It's interesting. Um, well, and I think it's something that you and I talked about before and, um, we talked about good or evil. Um, I think initially, but you know, I, I've heard somebody else say that good, Good means a lack of self-centeredness. So it's interesting that you had somebody say that good or selfish or use that term. Um, and to me, I, I guess I'm going to go back to, I, I think that most people are born 
good at heart, so to speak, or at least that's the, the innocence that we allude to. Um, and I think people are inherently good. I think people become jaded by, um, life upbringing. Um, I guess just trying to survive in society and kind of a dog eat dog, um, type of area where you have to be able to provide for you and your family above all else. Um, and that can cause someone to look at some of those things, um, and say, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do for mine. And, um, regardless of what that means for anyone else. And I think that may fall into that quote unquote bad, but then again, that falls into a discussion you and I had before when, when we talked about values and principles. Um, and I think that's where some of the folly can come with putting values on a hierarchy. We talked about that as well. You know, providing for my family versus um, theft or stealing. You know, if providing for your family means that that is the most uh, important value to you, well, then you could become a thief very easily in that regard to do that if that's what you feel your only means are. So you said something interesting just a minute ago. You said that you believe or you think that people are born with that are they're born with the the ability to do good but i th i think i heard that or interpreted that as people are when we're born and we're infants that we're born as good individuals so am i interpreting that correctly yeah i think i think we are inheritably good nature at birth okay okay um i disagree with that and i figured you might <laughs> Um, and the reason why I disagree with that, and I'm going to go back to, uh, to my, my wonderful topic of mythology. Um, if, if we look at, at, I'm just going to use Judeo-Christian belief, Judeo-Christian, or at least Christian, Christian belief. I can't really speak for Judaism because I'm not that familiar with all of these concepts and mythological, um, underpinnings, um, in relation to birth. Um, but I know in the Catholic church, for example, <clears throat> the belief is that humans are born with original sin. That, um, if you believe in Christ, for example, then Christ was the only one, or actually not even Christ, but, uh, but Mary was the only one who was born without sin. Um, and that's why she was capable because she was of pure heart and spirit to be the actual mother of Christ. But everybody else is actually born with original sin. That's the whole purpose of something like baptism. The entire purpose of baptism is to wash away original sin. Now, that is a very Christian belief, but that is a belief that stems throughout all of mythology. All of mythology is about how humans must essentially cleanse themselves in order to be good people within society. So my question for you is, if somebody were to live, to live as a hermit, they do not interact with society at all ever. Are they good or are they bad? So, okay, I'm going to try and tackle that from a couple of different angles. So first and foremost, I think um, <laughs> if you're living as a hermit, you're born that way, you live that way, you die that way. What does it matter? Because sure, sure. <laughs> you have nobody else to be affected by any of your actions or anything yeah. else. And I'm glad you, you said are, that, actually. I'm actually really glad you said alone. that. I figured you might be. <laughs> um, so 
But to tackle what you said about original sin, yes, I think original sin exists. But do I think that that makes somebody inherently evil or bad? No. And if you want to take the Judeo-Christian or mythological approach to that, if you look back to Adam and Eve, they were neither, they were good until the, um, the serpent came and tempted them and forced them to partake of the apple. Hence, sin took place. Now, do I believe that original sin exists and that we must go um, through a, a ritual or a cleansing of sorts as a race to get that off of our conscience? Yes, but I look at that as almost the, uh, the scale idea that even though we are, I believe, good at heart, we can be tempted to, to do and partake and commit acts of sin. Absolutely. And those should be cleansed. So do I think that we are inherently good? Yes. Do I think that inherently good people can do bad things? Yes. So as I've been thinking about this, this particular topic, I felt that good and bad were, were not the right terms for me. Um, and I still believe that people are inherently drawn to more negative results as opposed to good results. And, and so what I would do is I think that the terms good and bad should probably be replaced with, with order and chaos. And the reason why I say that is for a couple of reasons. So when you look at it, when you take a, when you, when you look at mythology, right, the, the feminine is she represents chaos and, and man represents order. Yeah, uh, no, just, I, I, <laughs> that is just a truism, right? That's not me making a value judgment. That is don't mythology. That now. Is, you're, that is, you're on it. Keep going. Don't tens of thousands of years of, of <laughs> mythological underpinnings, right? Women represent chaos, but they also, what is it that women do? Women, women give birth. They have the capability to produce life. And that is what is, that is why they represent chaos because that new life, when that new life is formed, the new life is full of infinite potential. That new child could become a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a, a janitor, a truck driver. It could be whatever. And that is a very chaotic state. It's not until that child begins to grow up and learn different things and begins to place order around their lives that they pick a path, but they have to eventually pick a path and they will, that life becomes much ordered. You look at a child, it's very chaotic. You have to know that. I mean, when you first have that child, it's nothing but chaos, right? Right. crazy town you're practically wanting to kill the child at times because you can't even imagine why this little human being it's a good thing that they look cute because otherwise you probably <laughs> would kill them right that's how chaotic they actually are that's how chaotic they truly are but but the other thing is, you know, when we look around at the stuff that's around us and we look at what our society is made of, we have running water, we have electricity, we have shelter. We, it's very easy for us to go get food at the grocery store. If you strip all of that away, if you strip all of that away, what happens? Human nature starts to reveal itself. We are, hum we are uh, animals within this larger animal kingdom and it'll become cutthroat. It'll become... You know, you have people who want to who want to survive, and so they turn against their fellow man. And we see that even in our modern day society, when people have their backs up against the wall, they don't come out being good individuals. 
they revert and they go back to those natural tendencies, which is I'll kill somebody if I have to in order to stay alive. That tells me, that tells me that being the chaotic creature, the person who can do bad against his own fellow man is something that is a natural state. It's the ability to think and the ability to rationalize that we have to keep all of those tendencies at bay because even the even a really good person has to struggle in order to remain good. What do you think? <clears throat> wow. It's very easy to be bad. It's very difficult to be good. If you think oh, about no, it. no, no. And, 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 I, and I, can, I can understand that. You know, doing, doing the wrong thing is easy. But um, doing, doing the right thing usually is harder. But that doesn't mean that's outside of our nature to want that. And I think that's, that's a part of what um, – I'm not going to disagree with a lot of what you said, but I'd like to at least change the focus for a second. Because even in the midst of all that chaos, let's just pretend the entire premise of what you said is 100% correct. Um, we're not going to focus on the fact that any of the grocery stores or all that kind of stuff to be able to means to provide is been handed to us and we've become accustomed to that. So stripping that away does feed that chaotic path, I believe. But let's just pretend. So we go to that chaotic nature. Everybody's just freaking out, trying to survive. Um, even in those moments, I believe everybody knows that what they are doing and how they are acting is wrong. And that, to me, is an inherent difference between what you're saying, which is chaos is the natural state, because even in that spot where you might say it's easy, that doesn't make it feel right at heart. And to me, I think that speaking from the heart, that idea that's sitting well with you inside, you know that it is wrong. That tells me that that person, even though they go, look, they can justify it, they can do the the mental gymnastics all they want to say, I did what I had to, to survive though. They will still be plagued by the nightmares of whatever they had to do because at their heart of heart, they know that that was wrong. And that's why I still believe, even though I, I understand what you're saying, I still believe people are inherently good. And so I don't think people would always know that what they're doing is wrong in some situations. Yes. I believe that's very apparent when you have, somebody who knows that they're not supposed to steal and then they steal anyway. Um, it, it, it comes down to that entire dilemma. If you're stealing because you're, you have to steal medication to give to your ailing wife who's dying of cancer, you know, is it, is it still wrong? Right. I mean, that's, that's this kind of typical ethical dilemma. Is it really wrong if you're doing it for the right reasons, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, but there are situations and history is ripe with it. History is rife with it where we have human beings who have straight up tortured and murdered other human beings. And not only did they not think that it was wrong, they actually believed that what they were doing was right. We've seen numerous examples of this. We've seen it in the concentration camps during World War II. Many of the doctors and the guards they got off on it. They were able to be twisted. And we think, well, how is it that those people could do that kind of thing? And yet what psychological studies show is that, oh, 
all of us are very, very capable of doing that, which is profound. I mean, in 19, you know, during the 1960s, there was a, uh, an experiment that was done at a high school. And, and the teacher was trying to show, trying to teach his students that they were capable of committing atrocities just like the Nazis were. And within, he had, a, he had to put a halt to the entire thing at day five, and he wanted to do it for a couple of weeks, but at day five, he had to stop it because by day five, the students were indoctrinating people, um, they were holding rallies, they were pointing people out, they were you know, telling on them because they weren't complying with rules and regulations. Um, and, and it got to the point where people were actually threatening physical harm to their fellow students. We had to put the kibosh on it. Uh, in the 1970s, we saw the same thing with the Stanford prison experiment, where for two yeah. weeks, right. you know, you were going to have people kind of role play as prisoners and, and as uh, uh, guards. And by day five, I think our day, day five or six of that the experiment, the experiment had to be pulled because the guards went drunk with power. Um, and these were just normal, average, everyday college students in America. And they were, you know, they were, you know, inflicting harm, you know, upon their, their fellow, uh, their fellow students. And uh, it was, it was a very tragic thing. And that, that whole experiment had to be stopped. Right. So I, I think there, that. I think there are people, I think the human tendency to revert back. I mean, we always think, well, if I were ever in a position of power like that, I wouldn't do it. No, history is against you. History tells you that you will do that. When you look at the history of socialism, for example, uh, Stalin, who murdered millions of tens of millions of his own people, uh, you know, Chairman Mao, who did the exact same thing. And people always say, well, you know, why, why is it that that happened? Well, because when people are drunk with power and they have the capability to do it, they're going to do it. And they, ha they did, you know, Stalin and Mao didn't walk around and put guns to everybody's heads, but they got tens of thousands of other people to believe in the cause and actually think, you know what, this is totally fine. I'm totally legitimate. This is the right thing to do. Let's go kill a bunch of people. That happens. And I think the reason why that happens is because it's a natural tendency. If, if you are a dark, evil person, then when you don't do dark, evil things, it makes you virtuous. It's not virtuous if it's already in your nature to be good. Well, and, and I can understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. But what you're talking about is indoctrination. You're talking about um, the influence of power. Um, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I mean, those things do exist. Um, and I think that a virtuous person is doing what they know to be right, even in the midst of others telling them to do evil. So I, I understand exactly what you mean, but I don't agree. <laughs> You're just going to leave it at that. Yeah. I disagree, so screw you. No, it's not, it's not a I disagree, so, so there. Um, the problem, here's the problem that you and I are going to have trying. We're not going to come to an accord on this. I don't think we no, will. I don't think we will either. But I don't think we're supposed to. No, I, and, and nothing that's says we have I, to. I, and, and I don't think it's going to be possible. I mean, I could sit here and, and quote, uh, speaking of studies, um, psychologist, I think it was at Yale, um, actually did the study with the puppets and the shapes. Do you remember mm -hmm. this one? Yeah, yeah. So actually taking babies 
and showing them puppets, which were shapes, different colors and different shapes. And of course, they had to change it up to, to remove variables as far as being, you know, babies like the circle more than the square. Um, but actually showing those puppets and shapes opposing or assisting another puppet up the hill. And consistently what they saw is that after the, the shapes that actually the puppets that helped the other ones up the hill, they would gravitate towards those. The ones that opposed them and held that other one back, they didn't want anything to do with. Now, you want, we take that all the way back to an infancy stage that says, and the conclusion at that time, well, the idea at that time, keep in mind, um, psychology never makes a firm conclusion. They just have a, a good idea so that other, some other psychologists can come along and change it all. And they go, yeah, oh yeah, I agree with you too. Um, but anyway, they said that that was the idea that they got from that was, you know, inherently, at least at our infancy stage, we have a good hearted nature inbred. So when you say that, um, now you used examples like Stalin, um, you alluded a little bit to uh, Hitler and Nazi Germany. Um, you talk about doing what we would consider evil or bad. I mean, we can, we can agree on that mm -hmm. at least, sure. right? Yeah. They didn't use chaos to do that. They used order to the nth degree sure. in order to indoctrinate those guards, those physicians, all of those people who they needed alongside with. It was order at its purest form that they used to actually indoctrinate people into that idea. Well, and I would agree because I think that there, are, there is evil and good that can be done in the name of order and there's good and evil that can be done in the name of chaos. And I think that those are different. I think good and evil are different constructs than, than order and chaos. As, a, as far as the, the, the infant um, experiment, it's very, very difficult to, to derive any kind of conclusions from from infantile behavior with relation to good or evil concepts. One, because they don't even understand the language. Uh, two, there could be other variables for them gravitating to one thing or another. Uh, and three, babies are dumb. They have an IQ of like negative two. So, um, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not rational thinking beings. They're completely driven by, by other things. Um, it's why babies, you know, when they're, when they're first born, infants, everything, everything that they, they perceive the world with their mouths, everything is about their mouths. They, they can't even use their bodies appropriately. Their, their brains haven't even, uh, are, are still in the forming phase. So to try to, I think it's a little, a little, I think it's very challenging to try to show any kind of um, good or evil study using infants because they don't even understand the concepts and they have to be presented in order to study them. We have to, in essence, oversimplify everything for them. And that, and by oversimplifying it, we, in, we, in essence, strip away all of the meaning of good versus evil, et cetera, in the process. So I think, I think it's very difficult for any kind of psychologist to make any kind of of um, conclusion to draw any kind of conclusion or anything, even inference from using infants. Well, and I'm not going to argue that either. It is. But um, like you just said, if you're trying to take a conceptual idea of good and evil and rational thinking, um, how many things have played into our understanding of what those are even 
even by age four. Um, that's all influenced by everything else. So you're trying to look at an inherent trait within mankind. The only way you have to go back to before any external influences can affect that individual. And the only way to do that would be to go back to infancy stage. No, so because you're, even, you're not wrong. Even, but even at the infant stage at that point, there are still variables and characteristics or influence. And I think that I think that's a little bit disingenuous. I don't think we can we can do that. I don't think it's I don't think it's appropriate to say, well, we can we have to go all the way back to to infants in order to understand mankind because infants are not capable of rational thought. I mean, it's just, well, but, uh, all right. Rational that's that's thought, still but... a human being in development. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> so what are we inherent with without any influence of rational thinking or, I, I mean, that's how far back do you go? Well, we, we, even Dr. See Ramirez? It, we even see it in terms of, you can have two different people, siblings, born of the same parents, raised in the same house, raised in the same values and principles, given all of the same, the exact same privileges since the time they were infants. And one of them can grow up to do evil things and the other one can grow up to do bad things. One can grow up to be successful. One can grow up to be a total loser. So what that tells me is the environment in which and all of those variables that have that have facilitated the development of those individuals, even that is no guarantee of how, of whether or not somebody is going to turn out good or somebody is going to turn out evil. Now I would, I would argue that the person who, if, if you have one, if you raise one and they turn out to be a mass murderer, let's say for the extreme in order to be able to show the different extremes, if someone turns out to be a mass murderer, I think that's, that's, that is them resorting more to their, um, to their uh, base desires, their more animalistic tendencies. And I think that is a true reflection. The person, the sibling who grows up to be successful and a contributing member of society, they might have to constantly be, be battling against those forces of chaos in order to become an actual good person. I think, I think if we don't accept the fact that we are bad and at, by nature, I think that it kind of makes being good, who cares? If we are inherently good, then being good is like, well, who cares? That's who you are anyway, who cares? <laughs> if you're bad and you have shadow and you have demons and then you're able to, to rise above that and be good, well, then that tells me that that's something. That's, that's something. That's something okay. to celebrate. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, so let's, let me, let me, let me take this and I'm going to absorb and redirect. I'm going to pull some of my old martial arts training out, out here. Hadouken. So, <laughs> not quite that far. That's a different kind of, that's street fighter arcade training. Um, okay. So let's take this outside of the realm of good and bad or good and evil or saintly and evil for about two seconds. Okay. And I'm going to grab hold of what you mentioned with order and chaos because that actually speaks to a different um, mythological or religious idea. And I'm going to go all the way out to our Eastern counterpart and look at the yin yang or the yin yang, if you will, because the, the white part of that yin yang is order or wisdom. And then the other, the, the black part of that is um, strength or chaos. 
that is also represented by a dragon or a tiger. In that way of looking at it, can you accept that it is possible, if not more likely, that we are inherently both, that we have both tendencies within us? Yes, I think that's the better way to look at it. I think I, I definitely do agree that, that I don't think one, I don't think humans are inherently one or the other fully. I, my personal belief is that humans uh, have both of them. And, and the reason why I say that is because if you go back into mythology, yeah, you brought up the yin yang, right? Um, that is, that is a, a very ancient um, symbol and it, it's part of the Chinese mythology. And f- mythology is, com- is full of that duality of, that duality of mankind not just in terms of masculine and feminine, good or evil, you know, et cetera, uh, in a number of different types of ways is, is man, you know, have that duality within them. So yes, I would agree with that. Okay. Cause I, I do believe more that there's a dual natured part of mankind. And it's interesting. You brought up, um, raising kids one. Um, and I think any parent out there who's got more than one, if, if, if you're a parent out there with one, you, you, I don't consider you a parent. There's, a, there's too many stuff left out. And I'm not even going to get into that. I think, I think Bill Cosby said the same thing. Uh, yes, he did, actually. Because <laughs> so, you know who broke um, the lamp. Yeah, you know, if, if you have one child <laughs> and something's broke in the house, you know who did it. You don't yeah. have to deal with it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, yeah, he did. Um, but... I, I do believe, and a lot of parents, I think, can empathize. You know what? I have one child, and they're great. They're just a good kid. They're smart. They listen. They do with the other one. And then there's the other child. And you don't have to say anything more because everybody else out there knows, and everybody points and laughs, and, ha-ha, you've got a demon baby. Just like, I. yep, that was my third or whatever it is. Do I believe that, that human beings or mankind humankind, sorry, I'll try and be a little bit more PC if I can, um, has a dual nature to them and they have aspects of both? Yes, that I will absolutely concede. I believe that most, most people know what is the difference between right and wrong. I believe that all people have a tendency to want to do right and feel bad when they do wrong. But I'm not saying that's everybody. And I believe that, yes, we do all have that. And yes, it is harder to fight off, I think, the darker, quote unquote, side of ourselves and do the right thing more often than not. Do I think, and I can, I can tell you're smirking, I can feel it, um, because you think that we, sh- yeah, who you? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I do think that people inherently are or at least want to be good. But I do believe that there's a dual natured side to mankind. See, and the, what, what's interesting is, is um, COVID-19 really kind of brought this out. Um, as, as Arizona was shutting down, the day that Governor Ducey announced that, uh, that the economy was going to be shut down, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, until I think it was May 15th. 
and we were, this happened mid March. I think it was like right around March 20th or some, something around there or March 15th, et cetera. So it was like for two months. Now you were up there in lovely Flagstaff land and it was weird down here. Now okay. it probably was a little weird up there, but it was weird down here. And the grocery stores went insane. Uh, and you know, then that's when all of a sudden toilet paper, nobody could buy, buy toilet paper and everything. And there were stories of people fighting each other, trying to get supplies. Um, and, and it was essentially at that point it was like, you could feel the, the, almost the, the, the structure of society was, was cracking mm -hmm. and, and people were just like, I don't, I don't give an F about anybody around me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And I don't care. And gloves are off. The cops can't be everywhere all at the same time. And so that the first couple of days was really, really strange. And now that this has continued to progress, and now that a large group of Americans are like, you know what, who cares? I don't really care anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired of all this nonsense. We still have a vast majority of the country that is still calling the cops on their neighbors that because people went out of their house, they're doing the exact same things that happened during, and I will draw the parallel. We have the exact same thing where people in during Nazi Germany were calling the state to tell on their neighbors. We have people that were, you know, uh, neighbors were having parties and other neighbors were calling the cops, not because the party was too loud, but because they were actually having a party and how dare they have more than 10 people at their house and they're, they're all going to die. Right. And they're right. doing the wrong thing. And so I'm going to lash out and I'm going to attack at, you know, my fellow, my fellow man and my fellow Americans and tell them how wrong they are. You have Karens out on the street yelling at one another, you know, yelling at people, telling them to, you know, social distance and wear masks and, you know, getting in people's faces and screaming and yelling at people because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You have people that are literally going almost insane and they're reverting. They're not, they're, they're not telling their fellow men or man, you know, man and woman, they're not telling their neighbors in ways that are constructive and hoping to offer guidance. They're lashing out in survival mode. Yep. <laughs> No. Now I have you. No, 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 no. I, I, um, so when this, now keep in mind, I, by the time that the governors, um, shut down the economy, um, I was already home. I mean, uh, we, we had already yeah. kind of, uh, we were a couple weeks ahead of that. So even up here in rural, uh, Flagstaff and compared yeah, yeah. to the urban metropolis that is the Phoenix greater populous cancer area of Arizona, yes. um, <laughs> Now, keep one thing in mind, though. Of what, what you, uh, yes, there is about 10 times the amount of people in your area than there sure. are up here. Sure. There's also about 30 times the amount of resources. How many grocery stores are up here? Four. Total. All of town. So, yeah. Were they coming crazy. unhinged, too? You know, surprisingly, they were crowded, but not crazy. Um, and I, I go back to my theory, actually, that the concrete jungle that is the Phoenix cancer makes people crazy. 
because you all reacted like a bunch of freaking <laughs> hoodlums down there. <laughs> and up here, everybody's like, excuse me, I saw the toilet paper first. It's in my hands. Mm-hmm. Well, fine. You know, that's about the extent of what I think most of it was. Actually, the biggest problem we had is a bunch of people being drunk. Because while everything else shut down, we had a whole, we, they, they emptied out the jails up here a couple weeks after this whole thing shut down. They let people out of jail. No cars, no way to get home, no money, not, nothing's open. Guess what? They found alcohol and they went out and fought each other in the parking lot. Guess what happened? Back in jail you go. We had more people get picked up for drunken fights in parking lots in the first week. Now, back to the, your, your original story about the dartboard, the guy, you know, drunk, putting his hand up on the dartboard. Yeah, that's going to happen. You get dumb people around and say, here, hold my beer. But <laughs> does that mean I think that people uh, um, are inherently evil-natured? No. I even told you way before this got to the point we are now. I said the, the problem with pandemics like this is that these kind of this kind of pandemonium will cause rational thinking people to act irrationally in the name of doing what they feel they have to. I made the reference to you. If I am, I, I like to consider myself a fairly upright citizen, um, and I like to think rationally as best I can, but I am also a husband and a father. And I guarantee you, I will find a way to provide for my family, no matter what. See, you're proving my point. Ah, am I? (laughs) You are saying, again, now this is a values and principles discussion, because this is the only time where I've said, you know. If you had to kill another human being in order to protect your, in order to get toilet paper for your family, would you? Toilet paper? No. (laughs) (laughs) At least we know where you draw the line. I draw the line there. But that's where, do we place that value on the hierarchy? And I know you're against the hierarchy all over, but this this comes into play, and this is a perfect example. Um, Do I place that value of providing for my family above stealing from my neighbor? Um, because they may have what I need and I can't get it anywhere else. And what if your neighbor needs it more than your family? Yeah. And, and that, that becomes a very big moral dilemma. Right. I that is a, that yeah. is a very big moral dilemma. Luckily um, for me, I can still go to the grocery store. I need to worry about all that. Cause right, it's a bunch of right. honky. Right. And that's good for, that, that's good for us that we don't have to make those decisions. Yes. Right. But, but my, my thing is I think people should think about it. And here's, here's the other thing that I think is very dangerous if we just want to assume that people are inherently good. Okay. Okay. If we assume that people are inherently good, then why, then, then there is no reason why we should not give more power to the federal government. Because if people are inherently good, then the people that we send to Washington or to the state house, to the Capitol building, they should do good. And yet history has shown time and time again that the more power and size to the government that you give it, the more evil that kind of situation becomes. And it's only run, it's not run by hippopotamuses. It's not run <laughs> by, by, you know, bald eagles. It's run by humans. 
humans run that show and the more power that you give to those humans and the more that that government continues to eke away at people's liberties, then if people were inherently good, then everybody that we send to Washington should do good and they don't. And I think I, it's dangerous if we think that people are inherently good. I think it's, I think it's a caution if we pursue life that, you know what, people are inherently bad or they, are, they, they may strive to do good, but given the opportunity for them to do bad, they're going to do it because it's easy and they're going to revert back to that. Then that's a reason why I should take precautions to protect my own life, to protect my own family, and I should pay damn attention to who I actually elect and when I decide to give more power to a government that can basically do whatever it wants to me. And I and I agree with the latter part of that all all of that um, to a point. I, I I can I just cannot sleep at night thinking that people are inherently bad. It doesn't now, matter what you whether or not you can sleep or not. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> reality continues on without you. Whether you whether you can sleep or not, it's going to continue to be real. Yep. No. And and again, I. I I will absolutely believe that that human or mankind is has a dual nature and we have both of those. And I do believe that doing the the right thing is sometimes harder. That doesn't mean it it makes it wrong or it doesn't mean it means we're we're lashing out against what we are inherently built to do. I don't believe I still don't believe that we are inherently evil by nature. Do I think that evil is placed in front of us and very easy to obtain yes do i think we should guard ourselves against the evil done by others absolutely that's why i am a second amendment loving mother yeah guy um do i believe that we should guard against the the uh, uh pursuit of the insidious absolutely but that doesn't mean that i'm gonna assume that mankind as a whole is inherently evil by nature just so that you can sleep well at night. Just because I, just want to I make know sure. it, 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 <laughs> it pisses it, you off. <laughs> it makes it so that you can sleep at night. <laughs> because if, if man, again, if mankind were, were inherently good, it, then there would be no reason to have a lock on your front door. And there would be no reason to carry a 45. There would be no reason to, uh, you know, to have police officers. Um, no, because you're 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 making the assumption that just because mankind is good, um, if, if you were to believe that mankind was inherently good, and that that would mean that evil could not happen. That's not what I'm saying. Just because uh, I believe that mankind is good natured, that does not mean evil cannot happen. You, there's no such thing as an absolute when it comes to that, and I think that's what. That's the, the, that. the, the folly of the logic and trying to say that just because mankind is inherently good natured doesn't mean evil will never happen. Absolutely not. No. If that were the case, the devil would have no place in our, in, in the world. And he absolutely does. I think, I think it's, I think it's easier. I think it's better to assume that, yes, I believe, like you said, I believe that humans have the, the dual nature of good and evil but knowing the fact that if that is the case, I think it is better to guard against the evil that exists in mankind than to 
than to convince myself that people are inherently good so that I can sleep better at night. No, and because, I, that, and I, and because I, that darkness is then that we just kind of we run the risk. I'm not saying that you are, but we run the risk of not paying attention to the evil in man. And we run the risk of saying, you know what, government, I will be happy to give you more power because I want you to get involved in his life more, but don't get involved in my life. But the truth of the reality is they're going to get involved in my life just the same. So I think we have to, I think it, I think it as a, as a word of caution, recognize good and evil exists in both in people, but yeah, better damn well be sure that you are aware that that evil exists and don't lose sight of it. Because if you lose sight of it, then you put yourself at risk and you put your family at risk and you put your neighbors at risk. If you just decide everybody is good, everybody is inherently good because so I'm going to just live my life. That's kind of a self-delusional way to live. No, that's that's complete naivete. And, and I am not going to defend that position in any way, shape or form. Not not even close. Actually, I I live by the idea that one of my, my firearms instructor told me, oh, I'd love to have him on the show sometime. We'll have to do that. Um, uh, which said, you know, know your exits in every establishment you frequent know where your exits are and have a plan to kill everyone you meet. <laughs> he didn't say go out and commit mass homicide. What he's saying is you never know who you might come across or who you might meet in any place. Have a plan. Always be prepared for the worst and rejoice in the fact that you never have to do that, but be prepared for it, which is, I guess what you're talking or it alludes kind of to what you're talking about. Always be prepared for the worst. Lock your doors. You know, um, keep your keys to your car. You know what? If if you are a um, gun-toting American, carry your gun, and hopefully you carry it the rest of your life and never have to discharge it, but have it. Yeah. Um, you know, there there's something else that that I think is really interesting. You know, we talked about that 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 tendency to recognize good or, or let's or I should say that order and that chaos within, within human beings. And I think there's a way to, to see what that person might be like. Um, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of psychological studies that, that trace connections between a person's psyche and the environment in which they, they live and operate in. Um, and if you, if you see somebody, if you look at their house, and their house is a disaster zone, like a hoarder, for example. Uh, you walk in and there's just piles and piles of, of just junk and trash and feces all over the place. And there are dead rodents and cats and things that are in, you know, that have died and are under piles of stuff. Have you not seen the show Hoarders? Have you not seen this? No, I don't want to watch that crap. You, you've not, <laughs> you haven't seen, have you seen a hoarder? Yes, I have been. Okay. In, I've been in a hoarder home, but I'm 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 listening. I'm, I'm trying to follow you along with wherever you're so, headed here. I think so. Essentially, what psychologists will say is, is if you look at some of the environment that somebody lives in, that shows you what their psyche is like. That shows you what their what their mind is like, and what's happening internally is a reflection of what's happening externally to them. Now, there are some, there are some outliers to that, right? The, you can have some very psychotic 
mass murderers, for example, which fall on the opposite spectrum of that. But those, those are outliers. Um, and even a hoarder is an outlier because they're on the very far spectrum of, of just junk. But when you, when you look at things like somebody's messy desk, there are a lot of people that have a messy desk and they say, Oh, you know, I'm not crazy. A messy desk is a, you know, is a product of an organized mind. That's marketing. That's all, all that is, is that's marketing. That's a bunch of, that's a bunch of BS is what that is. When, when people's lives, when their when their environment is very chaotic, then it speaks to things that are happening internally to them. And there's a lot of scientific proof a lot of psychological studies and proof that show that. So I think that's one way to kind of go, Hmm, I wonder what's happening with this person. Okay. I, I think you put way too much stock in psychology, by the way. No, not that much. <laughs> That's two years of psychology talking. Um, I, I, God bless psychologists. I, I, I love them for what they do. I well, you also never... don't like artists either. Well, that's, a, that's another. No, no, no. I actually don't mind artists at all. Um, I think that is you and talk about an actual projection of chaos um, and creating a medium of order in order for them to project that I can respect artists for that, but don't ask me to pay for it. I'm not going to look at a big canvas <laughs> full of just red paint <laughs> and go, wow, that's interesting. I'm like, that looks like you, you got bored and you just painted that canvas red because you couldn't come up with anything else. You say, no, it's an expression of rage. Oh, no, that looks like red, red paint. canvas to me. That's all it is. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, and I guess I, I don't have the refined mind enough to appreciate it. Yeah, well, neither does probably about 80% of America, at least. Um, but no, I, I don't have a problem with artists um, and psychologists, bless their hearts. I think you get five psychologists into a room and eight of them can agree on three things. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Uh, I, I think people should, uh, to your point, I think people should recognize that there is, there is darkness in them. Uh, and I think people should reflect on that. And, and, uh, you know, Carl Jung, I'll go back to noted psychoanalyst, Carl Jung. Um, you know, one of the things that he used to get people to do was to paint people who would come in with these crazy psychoses, he would get them to paint um, and not to encourage them to become an artist. Many of these people had never, you know, had never been an artist before, but um, the idea of painting and thinking about the issues that you're experiencing, it allows you to, this is Carl Jung speaking, it allows you to analyze that issue from a variety of different angles and to think about it and ponder it. And when you're painting something and you're trying to paint the issue that you're having, then you're, you're, you're looking at it from all these different angles. Um, now, you don't have to just paint to do that. You can write and, and journal. Mm -hmm. There are different... It's free association writing, I think. That's yeah, cool. and, and yeah. you think about all of those things that are driving you nuts and you, you analyze it and it lets you kind of order your thought process and, you know, get your, your thinking down. Right. And so <laughs> that you think about the problem from all these different angles and, it, and it's helpful. And I think people should, I think people should find time to, to kind of analyze that about themselves because if they don't do that, um, 
then I think many people are going to struggle with certain things. They're going to struggle with what it is that they like, what it is that they don't like. Uh, they're certainly not going to understand what their values and their principles are unless they understand that good and evil that exists within them. Yeah, no, and and I I think really recognizing that that mankind is is does have a dual nature to them. They have good and they have evil. Um, you know, there there are those thoughts that come to mind. You know, when you when you're out and you're like, what if I were to just whatever that would be. That's there. Um, to try and deny that it's there, I think, is not only naive, but it allows yourself um, to be more susceptible to the influence because you don't recognize them. Um, so I, I'm not going to suggest anybody does free association writing or, or painting or anything like that. I, my wife makes lists. Um, that's how she does whatever she does to try and organize the chaos in her own mind. She'll make a, a a list of everything she wants to get accomplished, everything she wants to get done, how much all that's going to cost. And God, I, I don't, I don't know. She's that's, that's her thing. That's how she does that, but it helps her. So um, find out what that is for you, I guess, and, and go to it. One thing I would, I would encourage people to do. Um, did you ever see the movie Excalibur? Uh, Excalibur, which. It came out in 1981. Merlin yeah. had the silver dome head. Yeah, helm thing. I'm like, it's, I've seen about nine different movies called Excalibur, but damn straight. That's the charm of making, right there. Yeah, yep. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is I, I would encourage anybody to go out and watch that movie. It came out in 1981, and it, it is a very definitive film about King Arthur and the Arthurian legend. And I think it's probably one of the best movies about the Arthurian legend. Now it doesn't follow the Arthurian legend exactly. It takes, it does take a lot of liberties and it does blend a lot of the Arthurian legend together for a two and a half hour film. Uh, but I think it retains a lot of the mythological undertones that the Arthurian legend has. Uh, what's interesting about that is that what that sound that I just played, that was Merlin. He was, he was um, summoning the dragon, as he calls it. He was uh, the charm of making, and that, that's a spell. And in, in chanting that, he summons the dragon. And what the dragon is, is the dragon is the quintessential uh, element of chaos, because it's from that dragon that now, now it's from chaos that all things are possible, that magic, right? Magic is, the, is nothing but pure potential. You can do anything you want with magic. Uh, and so it, that manifests as, as the dragon. And I would encourage people to go and, and watch that movie again. But what's interesting about that film is the, the triumvirate part of King Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot. And I think too often people look at those characters as being three separate people. And, and in reality, they're, they're really all symbols of a singular person. You have Guinevere, which is the feminine, and Arthur. Uh, Guinevere being not only the not only the queen, but feminine. She's also a symbol of of chaos, of pure potential. She's the life maker, the person who give, brings life into the world. But Arthur, as king, right? He organized and ordered all of the all of Britain because at the time it was fractured, and there was like thirty or fifty different kings throughout the land. And and Arthur united the country under his own banner. So he's the quintessential godlike figure, masculine figure of order. But then you have Lancelot, who's a really interesting character because he represents pure values and principles. He was the best 
the best of all of the knights and everything. And when, when Lancelot has an affair with Guinevere, it's not so much that he had this sexual encounter with the queen, more so that the, that the Lancelot character, the, the, the overall Arthurian legend character, has violated his own values and principles and succumbed to chaos and has allowed chaos back into his life. And as a result of that, the land becomes fractured and King Arthur falls ill uh, because he disregards all of his values and principles and the land needs to be healed. And thus the Sir Galahad and Sir Bors and Sir Percival, they go out and they try to find the the, the Holy Grail, right? And then the idea being that it is the, the cup of Christ that heals you. And then from then, you know, King Arthur is healed, which in the original Arthurian legend was the Fisher King, but now he's healed and the land is healed and everything. So I, I challenge everybody, go watch that movie. It really speaks to, I think, what we're talking about in terms of order and chaos and good and evil and, and all of that thing. And you're laughing at me. I am laughing at you. You're uh, careful. You cover yourself. Your inner nerd is showing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It no, really it, it, is a great it was, movie. It was a great movie. Um, well, and it's so I, I spoke earlier about the yin and yang, right? Um, yeah. Order and chaos, wisdom and strength. If you look at, at some of the very earliest uh, depictions of that symbol, they're in the very center where those two meet is a uh, opaque pearl. Do you know what that is? Uh, the opaque pearl. Yeah, right I'm, in the middle of that yin yang. You, oh, yeah, there I don't is, think so. Yep, so right in the middle of that, there's a pearl which represents our state of perfection where order and chaos meet in perfect harmony. Strength and wisdom unite in, in perfect um, symbiosis. And in most, I, I know at least the martial art that I, that I was training in, um, the very last art to be learned was meditation, where you were actually striving to connect to um, and unite both of those to connect to that higher state of perfection right in the center of where those two forces connect. And I think that speaks to what we're talking about, that, that order and chaos um, exist within us, good and evil. It's understanding both of those to find true harmony within. That's where we can strive to reach that perfection. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I think we kind of talked about this to death. What do you Did think? we? I think I, so. Did we did we come to an accord? I mean, we, no, I, know I don't we think were we gonna, came to accord at no, all. No, I don't think we. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of knew about that going into this. I think we, well, we were. We I didn't were both, expect we both to actually that. to nail this out in however long it, it took us to talk about it. Um, mankind's been debating this for years and years and years. Um, so, eh. well, okay. Well, do you have any? Uh, do you have any parting thoughts or? So actually, this this is this is twice we've we've come across some some pretty in depth topics, and I hope nobody out there listening to us really thinks that we have all the answers. What I'd really like to hope for is that we're just setting people up to really think about these things on their own and come to their own conclusions, and and actually just take these topics apart on their own and, and 
really do some own their own rational thinking analysis uh, for themselves. I I hope we're doing at least that. I agree. Um, and by all means, let us know what you think. Uh, you can send emails to the show at contact at fusionunderground.net. That's right, right? Fusionunderground.net. It better be. I, I, should, I, said. I, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can also post on our Facebook page uh, on just any time. If you have any kind of topic you want to you wanna kick around or um, share your opinion, you can always post there. Um, this show will be airing on Tuesday, whatever date that is. What is that? The, the 26th. So this will be dropped. So by the time you're listening to this, this will be the 26th. But um, you can always find us on Facebook. Send us your comments. Um, send us your uh, emails at, again, contact at fusionunderground.net. And for Jason Moret, I, oh, the Twitter handle, the Twitter handle, FVFU Brothers on Twitter. You can find us there. You can follow us and let us know. And hey, you know what? Like the show. Uh, if you're listening to us and watching us on YouTube, please like the show. Um, that helps us draw more people. More people will be able to find it naturally if you like it. Um, like us on Stitcher or wherever else you might find the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We're not getting paid to do any of this. No way. Uh, <laughs> we're doing it just because uh, we are just having a blast doing it. So like the show. It lets other people find it. Um, and definitely spread the word about it. Share it with your friends or family members. Um, and we welcome all any and all hate mail love hate mail yeah as we collect it we'll probably do an episode where we'll just read all of the emails that we get so ask questions or anything like that we'll we'll talk about the emails and comments on the on the show and on future episodes and i think that's it for jason moret i'm manuel ramirez and you've been listening to the fusion underground thanks for listening everybody take care (laughs) 